Hello, everyone, and welcome to Encourage Your Heart. Thank you so much for spending just a few moments of your time with me. I'm your host, Felicia, and I am honored that you chose me to be your voice of encouragement for today. Now, listen, the moments that we spend together are going to be filled with lots of love, lots of compassion, transparency, raw emotions. It's going to be a few laughs and quite possibly a few tears. But my hope is, well, you guessed it, to encourage individuals by sharing real life experiences and gaining an understanding of biblical principles that we can apply to our everyday life. That's right. It's a spiritual devotion filled with true encouragement, and it all awaits you in just a few moments. I saw this meme online from OurMindfulLife.com, and it said, what is not living in the moment? And so then the meme also broke down six points, and there was the first one, which was dwell in negative. The second one was worry about the future. Number three is can't forgive myself. Number four, let the what ifs rule my mind. Number five, hold a grudge. Or number six, wait for the perfect timing. Now, I want you to ask yourself, which one are you or are you any of them? I mean, if we're honest, sometimes we can actually be a mixture of all of them to some degree, maybe even in the past. Right. Even if it's not going on right now, there may have been a time in our our lives to where we were a mixture of all of them. Or maybe there is just one of two of them that resonates to you. But I want you to take a few moments to really reflect on those six points of what not living in the moment is. And I want you to ask yourself, does either of them apply to me? And right now, I think it would be a really good time to just take a quick pause and just do a quick meditation and a quick moment of reflection. So I'm not sure if you realize it, but every day is an opportunity to right our wrongs and we can make real life changes that will shape our lives for the better.
I mean, but sometimes it's hard for us to recognize that the perfect opportunity is right at our fingertips, right there for us, because maybe we're bogged down with the troubles of the world. Maybe we're broken from past hurts and pains. Maybe you are unfocused because you're stretched too thin, right? You're doing this for them and for for they and even for yourself. Perhaps you don't have the mental capacity to handle things or to recognize what's in front of you because you're heavily burdened, right? Maybe you're depressed or you have anxiety or different emotional or psychological barriers. But what if what if you're someone who no longer believes in your own ability to succeed because you failed so much and you've been rejected so much and you've been abandoned so much? That you can't see the success that's standing right in front of you. You know, there are real examples of how we can miss life-changing moments that are right in front of our grasp. The ones that I just explained are some, right? And we have to deal with grief. We have to deal with confusion, family and work, brokenness, the world itself. And sometimes we forget that the word of God is right there with us. And it'll help us fight through our lives. And that this fight that we're in, yes, it can be brutal. It can be challenging so much so that we can miss the very moments that are right in front of us and not even realize it, not even recognize it. But I want you to take this moment, right, and just stop. Take a deep breath. And I want to encourage you to take inventory of your life so that you can recognize if there is a shift that is standing right in front of you with arms outstretched, waiting and ready to connect with you so that you can walk in it and seize that opportunity. We can no longer afford to keep allowing moments to pass us by. We have to be intentional in this life. We have to understand how to recognize that the moments are in front of us, right? Sometimes it's going to be uncomfortable. Sometimes more than not, the, the, there are going to be risks and we have to risk everything. We got to be willing to risk everything because the moment is right in front of us and we can't let that moment pass us by. Sometimes it just does not look like what we expected. As a matter of fact, it usually never looks like what it what we expect. And it's usually always sitting right there in front of us. But we miss it because we're looking for this big, beautiful package. Think about it, guys. They were missing Jesus. Why? Because all the other kings came in, you know, looking royal. Right. But what they didn't realize that kings came from a low place back then. Look at David. He was a farmer, right? And Jesus came riding in on a donkey. So they weren't looking for that. Not somebody of a lowly stature. They were looking for this, this big, magnificent king that was going to just kill everybody and do X, Y, Z and one, two, three. But the moment was right there in hand and they were missing it. They were missing it. So I want to dive into our topic of discussion, and that topic of discussion is don't let this moment pass you by.
So let's be real. A lot of times we let moments and opportunities pass us by because they're challenging, right? Um, they're, they're scary. There are things that are in front of us. And like I said before, it doesn't look like what we expect it to look like. And it can kind of throw us off a little bit. So I want to break down three practical points that will help us to identify and help us to, you know, not let the opportunity, not let the moment at hand slip away from us. Um, so the first practical point is know what you're looking for. A lot of times it passes us by because we don't know what we're looking for, even though we know what we're looking for, right? We know what we want, but what we want sometimes does not look like what's in front of us. Most times the very moment that we have been waiting for is usually staring us right in our face. And we don't recognize it or we don't want to acknowledge it because it doesn't look or feel or sound like what we have imagined in our mind. Right. So we've been waiting for or or looking for or seeking God for a certain thing. And because our mind says this is what it's supposed to look like. We like, yeah, nah, that ain't it. So like, let me give you a couple, a couple of examples. We've been seeking, let's just say we've been seeking God for a job, right? For the great job opportunity. And we want to work from home. We want to spend more time with our family. We want something that gives us flexible hours. And so you are presented with a job opportunity that's going to not only allow you to stay at home, not only allow you to have flexible hours, but you have a maximum income potential of more than you've ever had. And it's remote. So you don't even have to just stay at home. You can work anywhere. But here's the kicker. It requires for you to work hard. You have to be disciplined. You have to be your own boss. And though there's a structure, you still have to create some strategies that's going to require you to do a lot of the legwork, right? You're going to have to get out there and grind and you're going to have to get out there and get clients. And even though the income opportunity, there go mama, y'all. There she go. Um, and the even though the income opportunities are great and and the potential will give you more than you've ever made it's still uncomfortable to you it, it's uncomfortable because you ain't never had to do all that and maybe you don't feel like you're eloquent enough in speech or maybe you don't feel like you're smart enough to do that Okay, another situation, maybe you've been through a bad relationship or I'll go so far as to say you were married and you had a bad divorce and now you're broken internally, emotionally, right? You just straight shell shell shocked (laughs) and you prayed and asked God to send you someone who doesn't tear you down, who gets along with your family, who loves Christ more than they love you who treats you with the respect that you deserve and who's willing to put whatever the work is that they need for not only themselves, but for also your relationship. And it seems like you keep trying over and over and over, right, to date and to meet people and it's just not working out. Then you meet someone and let's just say 
it starts out amazing. Everything is good. They the best thing since sliced bread, right? They're working hard. You're working hard. They're treating you with the utmost respect. They're lovers of Christ, family oriented. They got your back. They lift you up. But you can't get out of your own way because you're too damaged from your past or you're too sensitive, right? You're too sensitive to the character flaws that that they have, even though you got your own character flaws. And even though you got these character flaws yourself, you find the flaws that they have and you find the major uh, faults in them and and all types of excuses as to why that situation won't work for you. Now, both of those scenarios are exactly what you've been seeking and praying to God for, but they don't look like what you want. And the thing is, it's staring you right in front of your face. But because the package is not what you envision, you're about to let that moment and that opportunity pass you by. So let's take it to the Bible, right? I want to talk to you about the woman at the well for just a minute, right? That story came from, I think, John chapter four, verses four through 30. So this woman, she couldn't go to the well at the time of day like the other women, which was like in the cool of the morning. This woman couldn't go there like that because she was what they what you would call you call her loose or promiscuous. Right. And the other woman, they weren't trying to be seen with her. So she had to go during the time of the day where the sun was hot. It was beaming. And when she got there on this particular day, there was Jesus. And he asked her for a drink and she was already probably feeling some type of way because number one, Jesus is a Jewish man. She's a Samaritan woman. It's hot. And I had to walk all this way. They already, you know, I got a bad reputation and you asking me for a drink of water when you can reach down there and get your own drink. (laughs) And then not to mention that these two cultures, the Samaritans and the Jews, they were enemies, right? And so as they proceeded to talk, Jesus asked her for the water and a whole conversation ensued. And Jesus told her the type of water that he possessed, which was living water, and that that water, she would never thirst again if she drank that water. And so in her carnal mind, she was thinking that he was talking about actual water that she puts in her mouth and swallows. And as they kept talking, he told her some things about herself that made her perceive that he was a prophet. You got to be a prophet. You telling me everything I know about me. Right. And so as Jesus kept talking to her about salvation, she said to him, I know the Messiah is coming and he's the one that they call Christ. So when he comes, he going to tell us everything we need to know. She didn't even realize that she was talking to the Messiah. Remember, he didn't look like what he was supposed to look like. Isn't that how we usually miss the moments that are in front of us? Because it doesn't look like what we want it to look like. She had no idea that she was talking to Christ and that he was standing right there in front of her. Okay, y'all, let me give you one correction real quick. David was not a farmer. He was a shepherd. That's all I wanted. (laughs) Thank you.
Now, our second practical point is (laughs) go for it no matter what. Now, I want you to remember the job opportunity and the relationship that was staring us right in our face, right? But a lot of times the intimidation and the thought of another failed experience is what we can honestly say keeps us from what's staring us in our face. So sometimes we're led by our fears of what would happen if it doesn't work. If we get on that job and we, you know, decide to take a chance on ourselves and we're, we don't work as hard as we need to or we don't do what we need to because we don't have the belief in ourselves, then we can let our family down. Or if I go in that relationship and mama doesn't like him or her or what if my kids or my ex-wife or ex-husband doesn't like, like, I don't want to deal with that again. Or, or, or what if their attitude is too much? Or what if that, 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 all these different things plague our mind. What if the pain of our failures have created a core wound that screams, we don't have what it takes to succeed at a job. And because we're not eloquent enough, like I said before, to speak to customers, they won't trust us and give us an opportunity to win their business. And it's just too much for us. And there's nothing like the image of failure sounding loud in our mind. That soulmate sitting right there, but that soulmate is too hard. He, he too hood. She's too hood. He's too soft. She's too hard. She's too soft. He too hard. Whatever. Right. All these different things plague our mind because of the past hurts, the trauma, all of that. That's within us. And now here we are. We don't want to be disappointed. We don't want to feel heartache. We don't want to be embarrassed with either of those scenarios. And so we don't want to lose everything and we don't want to risk it. So the first thing we as believers are supposed to do automatically is seek God first, right? We're supposed to ask him, ask him. We pray and we make our petition known to him. We let him know what we need and what we want and we allow him to provide it to us. We allow him to provide it to us. I'm sorry, I got tongue tied. (laughs) And when he provides the opportunity, it's up to us to not let it pass us by. So let's look at the woman with the issue of blood. Um, Now, this can be found in three of the books in the Bible. Um, They're called the Subnoct. Synoptic gospel. <laughs> That's what you're called. They're called. It's in the old. Oh, I'm sorry. The New Testament. The New Testament is in the back of the book. Okay. Listen, y'all. Let's just be real. You know how when you in a in church and they'll say, um, if you have your Bibles, turn to pay uh, the book of Matthew chapter nine, and you're trying to pretend like you really know where Matthew chapter nine is, but you really don't. Just go ahead and go up to the front and look in the index. Like just look. And see where it is. Don't, don't, don't try to 
find it because I'm not going to lie to y'all. Sometimes when I I don't really know, I know a lot of the books of the Bible. Every once in a while, they'll throw one out there. I'm like, oh, I forgot exactly where that at. I know it's in the, the Old Testament, but where? Sometimes I'll sit there and just flip through pages and then just sit on the page pretending like I got it. Just lying, y'all. Lord, forgive me, okay? (laughs) So anyway, let's get back to this, okay? The woman with the issue of blood is Matthew's chapter 9, verses 20. It starts at um, verse 20. Then you got Mark chapter 5, and it starts at verse 25. And then you also have Luke chapter 8, and it starts at verse 43, okay? So this woman, she had been bleeding for 12 years, Um. And so, of course, I think you guys realize by now I do a lot of embellishing and a lot of meology, you know, my my opinion of the situation. So I do definitely say go back and read the word of God for yourself to get an understanding to see if what it is that I'm saying to you aligns to the revelation that God is giving you. Okay. So this woman, she was breeding for 12 years, and we assumed that it was her menstrual cycle, right? She had went to doctors and probably magicians and all these different people and stuff, and no one could heal her. She spent every dime she had, every single dime, trying to get healed to no avail. And during those days, if a woman was, un- uh, if she was on her cycle, she was considered unclean. And she couldn't be around people in the public like she couldn't be touching anybody because whoever she touched, they were also considered unclean and they would have to go and purify themselves. And like the women, like they had to wait a certain amount of days before they cut. Just it was a whole little ritual. And so if she was unclean and purposely out there touching and and dealing with people back then, she could get stoned to death. Like they were really brutal back then. Right. But see, here's the thing. Jesus was walking by in a crowd and he was trying to make his way to a sick child who was dying. And homegirl with the issue of blood, she saw that the moment was at hand and she was not going to let this moment pass her by. She was desperate. And she said, you know what? I'm going to take this chance. I'm going to take this risk and I'm going to risk it all. I don't care if they kill me. I'm going to die trying. And what she did was she proceeded to go and she just said to herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, if I can just touch the border of his robe like that in itself can heal me he ain't got to lay his hands on me he ain't got to touch me he ain't got to speak over my life he don't even have to look at me but if I could just touch that little hem of his garment the power that Christ possesses within him is enough to heal me see she knew the miracles that Jesus had had done And she believed in his ability to heal. And she had faith, clearly the faith the size of a mustard seed. If she in her mind thought, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, she didn't say she wanted to hug him or anything. She just she listen, y'all. She fought through the crowd. There were all the 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 people the the that could could really harm her. The Pharisees, the Sadducees. All these people out there, none of that mattered. She was focused and honed in on the miracle that she so desperately needed. She saw the opportunity. 
She saw the moment and she did not let it pass her by. And when she touched the border of his garment, the hem of his garment, the power of Christ by way of virtue went from him into her body and she was healed. And I believe that she had been praying and asking God for a healing and for what she needed for herself. And she seized that moment. She did not let that moment pass her by. So now let's go to our third and final practical point. And the third and final practical point is don't stop until you see a change. Be determined. Okay. So if that job or that relationship that you want is within your grasp, it's up to you to put the work in. You cannot give up the first time something goes wrong or when things feel uncomfortable or unfamiliar or when things do feel familiar to the failures of your past. The devil is a liar. We push through because of the spirit of God that's within us. Now, listen, I'm in no way telling you to stay in a job or in a relationship that compromises your peace and your faith. I'm not telling you to stay somewhere that does not serve you. But what I am saying is that you cannot give up and turn the page until you've done absolutely every single thing to make both of those scenarios work. Did you get the job and I'm sorry, did you get the mentor that you needed for the job? Have you went to counseling for yourself to deal with the past traumas to help you with the relationship? Did you learn how to present your product in an effective way through like outside training? Did you do practices or things like that? Did you read books or, or podcasts or, or listen to different techniques on how to perfect your craft? Did you learn how to effectively communicate in a relationship? Did you un did you learn things about the partner or things about yourself that would help you to understand why you do some of the things that you do? Have you dealt with your core wounds of failure, the rejection or not being good enough or not believing in yourself and having the self-love that you need to know that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you? My question is, did you put 100% of the work in to effectively give the situation a chance or did you tap out because the pain and the, 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 the feeling of growth, the pain of growth and the, the pain of change was just too much and too familiar and too hard for you. So it was easier for you to fault find, right? It was easier for you to say, nah, this ain't for me. It was easier for you not to give that job or that relationship a chance. Did you stop before you saw the change? Ask yourself that. Or were you determined to really make it work? I want to look at Jacob, right? Jacob and the man that he wrestled. I think it was the angel of God, a representative of God, right? And this was in Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 through 32. Again, I invite you, go get your Bible, read these chapters, read these books. 
I paraphrase, I paraphrase and break it down so that, you know, it's so relatable and that I want even if a child comes and listens to this podcast, I want that child to be able to understand the word of God. However, I want you to read it for yourself, right? To make sure again that what I'm saying lines up with the word. So when we go to Genesis chapter 32, starting at verse 24, and we look at Jacob, I want to tell you who Jacob was a little bit. Jacob was a straight up trickster. <laughs> he was slick. He was cunning. He was something serious, right? Jacob was the type like you got to keep both eyes and both your eyes in the back of your head and your mama glasses and your sister glasses and them contacts on him, right? He was a trickster. He was very cunning and he had done quite a, a bit of things to where Jacob had started sowing bad seeds and he was reaping the benefits of those bad seeds that he had sown. They weren't good benefits, right? He tricked his brother from his birthright. He straight up stole his brother's blessing with the help of his mother. And this was when his daddy was on his deathbed, right? It was so bad that Jacob had to flee from his home and go somewhere else because his brother wanted to kill him. I'm talking about family drama at its best, y'all. Don't think y'all family the only one had drama. The Bible is full of drama stories from families, right? There is nothing new under the sun. <laughs> okay, so Jacob fled from his hometown and he found safety at this guy named Laban's house. He wanted to marry Laban's youngest daughter, Rachel. He thought she was the most beautiful thing. And the Bible says that she was beautiful. And so he made an agreement with Laban that he will work seven years for Rachel's hand in marriage. And so he did the work and the Bible said like the, the it was nothing to him. It was just like that real quick to him because how much he wanted Rachel. So the wedding night you know, they set up this whole feast and they do all these different things or whatever. And Laban go ahead and, and, you know, get Jacob a little tipsy or whatever going there on his wedding night. He sends his wife, quote unquote, wife in there. And Jacob, you know, he feeling good or whatever. And by the time he wake up, he realized that it is not beautiful Leah that he has bewedded, you know, and and I'm sorry, he not bewedded that he has bedded. It's not Leah. I'm, I'm sorry. It's not Rachel. It's old tender-eyed Leah, her sister. And that's what the Bible describes her as, tender-eyed, okay? Leah was the eldest daughter. And the thing was, the eldest daughter had to be married before the youngest. But remember, I told y'all that Jacob was a trickster, so he had done a lot of things. And now he was reaping what he sold. He was getting his karma, right? And Laban had tricked Jacob. And with that being said, Jacob was hot. He like, how you going to give me old tender eye? And I asked for Miss Beautiful over there. And and they made an agreement to where Jacob would um, end up working for Laban for another seven years just to get Rachel. And so now here it is, Jacob's working some more and a whole bunch of more drama transpired. And this called Jacob to leave. He's ready to leave. And in leaving, Jacob now has to go in the direction of the very brother that he tricked and he stole from. 
And so now this whole situation is taking place. Y'all go just go read the story because I can't give you all of it. Right. And one night, Jacob ends up wrestling with a man. I believe it was an angel of God, a representative of God. Right. He wrestling with this man all night long. I mean, they wrestled to almost daybreak. And when the angel saw that Jacob was not giving up, he touched the inner socket of I'm sorry, the inner part of Jacob's hip socket. And it's like his hip w- was dislocated and went out of out of the joint was dislocated and out of socket. And Jacob was still banging. He was still hanging in there with the angel. And the angel said, let me go. Daybreak is coming. But Jacob said, uh-uh, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Now, I want to make sure that I put some things into perspective here. This was an angel, a representative, a man of God, right? It was a representative of God. And one thing about God, God cannot fail. So when I say wrestling with God, this story is more symbolic than anything, in my opinion. This was Jacob who had never prevailed at anything without, you know, being cunning or being sneaky. He wasn't straight up. He was always trying to trick and slick people out of stuff, right? He always had a a trick up his sleeve. But he didn't prevail over Esau. He didn't prevail over Laban. Not, you know, that there was some tricks that took place in order for both of these things to transpire. And so now here he is wrestling with the angel of the God. Uh, I'm sorry, the angel of God for the blessing that he so desperately wanted and needed. So it wasn't that God was incapable of beating Jacob. That wasn't the part. I think it was that God wanted to see just how hard and just how long and just what type of dog Jacob had in him in order to fight for the blessing that he wanted. And I think Jacob, I'm sorry, I think that God wanted to see if Jacob was going to give up, if he was going to try to trick it out like he had been doing in the past, if he was going to throw in the towel or if he was going to keep going with everything that he had. Now, God also was 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 who he was. God is God. And no man has ever seen God's face and lived to tell the story. And so that's why I believe the angel was like, hey, you're going to have to let me go. Daybreak is coming. And and because if, if daybreak comes and Jacob sees, you know, this angel, this representative of God, then. Jacob dies, right? Because like I said, nobody's ever seen God's face. And so if that would have happened, then the children of Israel wouldn't have been born because everything flowed through Jacob. And so what ended up happening was God, I mean, not God, Lord Jesus. What ended up happening was Jacob kept going and kept going and he did not stop until he saw the change. Jacob was determined to prevail. So he prevailed not because God was incapable because God is capable, but he prevailed because of the fight that he had within him because of the determination that he had in him. And that is why God allowed him. Let's be clear. God allowed him to prevail. Jacob did not let the moment pass him by. 
And I can only imagine that he was scared. He probably had a lot of thoughts running through his mind of failures and the past hurts and all those things. But Jacob fought. Not only did he fight, not only did he keep going till he saw that change, he walked different because now he got a limp. From that that the, that um socket now coming out of place, and now his name is changed. He's no longer called Jacob. He's now called Israel, aka where the children of Israel came from. And he kept going, and he put in the work until he saw the change that he needed. He did not let that moment pass him by. So I want to give you guys the scripture of the moment, and it comes from Philippians chapter four and verse 13. I've seen this scripture tatted on so many different people, and it's simple. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. The moment that is at hand, that's staring you right in your face, that's around the corner that you've been praying for, that you've been seeking God from for, you can do it because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Um, There was a, a philosopher named Confucius who once said, our greatest glory is not in never falling, but in rising every time we fall. So with that being said, there's another quote, and I'm not really sure of the origin for, for uh, that it came from, but it says, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again, right? That, 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 that saying has been around as far back as like 1840. They were saying that when they didn't have bathrooms, social media, running water, they couldn't pull up to McDonald's. They couldn't get online and shop at Sheen and Amazon. You know what I'm saying? They they didn't have all that we have now. But yet they still knew that if something did not work the first time that they tried it, that they had to keep working at it because they just might stumble upon an opportunity or a moment that will be the perfect gateway just for them. The moment that they had been praying and seeking God for that they had been waiting for may have been right in front of them all along. And they had to keep trying because their greatest glory was not that they failed, but that they rose up every time they failed. So as you continue your journey called life, I want you to be watchful. I want you to be prayerful, be vigilant, be very alert because the enemy is definitely around and his objective is to steal, kill and destroy. He will bombard your mind, your thoughts. He will take your heart, make your heart hard, make your heart hardened so that you will not be able to seize the opportunities that are in front of you. He will blind you so that you won't see the moments that are staring you in your face. Find the strength that you need through Christ to believe enough in yourself to not let this moment pass you by. So in conclusion, I want to say to you, I appreciate you for tuning in to our very first episode of Encourage Your Heart. I want to thank you for spending just a few moments with me, Felicia, and know that I'm honored and blessed that you chose me to be your voice of encouragement for today. This week, be intentional. 
this week, be aware and be present in the moment, right? Write down the tools that you need to help you through the moments and apply them to your life. Don't forget to acknowledge God first. Seek him first and his righteousness as best you can. And if you fall short, ask him for forgiveness. And one thing about God is he will forgive you. I love you and know that with Encourage Your Heart, moment by moment, we heal together. Be blessed.